I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Draft Kings podcast. I am joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, another uh, boring week on the in the golf world, huh? Oh man, I mean, uh, what 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 hasn't happened? I mean, it's uh, first and foremost, U.S. Open was awesome. Like that that's that's the main thing, right? Uh, that is the story. I don't want to detract from that. Um, I only saw the final round, but the final round was enough for me. Um, Fitz got the job done after uh, after the concerns that he wasn't going to do it. Uh, I think we I think we both said that like he was just as likely to win a major as he was a tour event. I don't think it was ever really a problem with confidence or or in his head. It was more just just not making boneheaded decisions and staying cool under pressure. And he did it, and uh, it was good to see that happen. Yeah, I mean that was a tough one for me to swallow, considering I've been betting him a lot this year, thinking that he can win. Even after the last couple of times when he's really let me down. I've been getting a lot of comments on my, you know, betting picks posts and people saying, uh, you know, there's no way he can win. Um, you know, he's a loser. He's not going to, you know, he doesn't have the nuts to get it done. I've always said I think he can get it done. I really do. And I, and I, I after the PGA, I came on here. I remember saying that I thought being in that final group was going to be a nice battle scar for him. And he's going to be able to bounce back from that and learn from it. And I think, you know, it did. If you, if you watch him in the final round at the PGA, he, he was very fidgety and he, he always plays fast but he, he just didn't seem right he seemed uncomfortable and I think you know it was I was even knowing that it was amazing how comfortable he actually seemed on Sunday yeah it's just one it's just one extra experience he needed to do it right I mean whereas some players take two or three times in major contention he took one like my, my point with Fitzpatrick earlier in the season was like he just doesn't seem to get there like he never really seems to be with a real chance he seems to throw it away too early whereas the PGA felt like a real chance to win he was really disappointing, uh, and he obviously just went away and learned from it. And I, I'm not too worried because I was never going to bet him at 25 to one. Like I didn't think the price was ever going to get lower than that on him. Um, it has now got to 20 to one for the Open Championship, but give it a couple of weeks and that'll be back out to, to 30 and 33. I'd have thought, um, unless he carries on playing well, which he obviously can. Uh, but there's not too much time now between then to, to really impress. So. Um, once these other guys come into a bit more form and the price is shorting up, I think he's going to go out back out to a backable number. And I wouldn't necessarily pick him for St Andrews, to be honest. But you know, he's he's obviously going to have uh, his backers there, and maybe I change my tune when that comes around. But um, on to the Travellers. It's uh, it's a big event. It's one that you're going to be going to in person, uh, only a couple of hours away from where you live and, and work and, and everything else. And uh, really good field is assembled for uh, for reasons that we're sure to disclose. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I love this event. Um, I've been I've been going uh, the last few years, and um, it's a great place to go and enjoy golf. The tournament does a great job, and I think you'll hear a lot of the players talk about the fact that you know how good the Travelers tournament is in terms of you know how they treat the players and the caddies, and just the whole product they put on is excellent. Um, a bunch of great spots to kind of sit and watch golf on the golf course. So um, I'm really looking forward to the event. If any of you guys go, make sure you come and find me and. Uh, buy me a beer because I've uh, lost some money the last couple of weeks, especially on the US Open. Yeah, normally we say buy us a beer when we've given you the winning picks, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a while since we've done that. But uh, so it's, we were quite advocate of, of fits last week, I think, in terms of, of DraftKings, right? So um, I, I don't think we missed there, really. Um, field is strong because I think Rory and JT are showing their support for the PGA Tour one, for one reason or another. Um, I don't necessarily think although they have both played here in the past it's not a complete surprise they're here and it's not a million miles away from from the US Open so then maybe it's just those factors but it's a strong field you've got Scotty Scheffler at 11-2 Roy McIlroy at 11,000 JT at 10-8 Sam Burns at 10-4 Patrick Cantley at 10-2 and Xander Schauffele at 10 flat uh, who's the guy that springs to mind for you first? Um, so I, I bet Patrick Cantley at 16-1 uh, I like him a lot at this place because, you know, this course is not one of the ones where you're going to go to and gain nine strokes on approach to win. You don't really have to do that. It's kind of like a complete total test. Um, anyone can compete. That's why you're going to look at the leaderboard and see all different types of golfers. And I think for him, he's, you know, he's not the type of guy who's going to win a tournament with 10 strokes on approach. He's going to do, you know, two around the green, six putting, two off the tee, and four on approach. And I, 
I think that's just kind of the type of guy you see do well. The same thing. Like he's never going to ball strike his way to victory like we saw last year. Um, so Cantley for me is the perfect guy. Obviously he likes the course. He shot a 60 here as an amateur back in 2011. Uh, and I think he's non-majors. He's been really, really trending towards something very good. I think, you know, a lot of the tension's off him now and he's kind of under the radar guy. His last two non-major starts were second at Heritage and third at the Memorial. And then he won the, the Zurich team event. And last year for the U.S. Open, he was good. And his best day was Sunday. Uh, he went. He had an excellent day on Sunday, and he could have. It could have been even better. He kind of left that chip short on five that rolled back down the hill. But I like. I also like going for guys who had a really hot Sunday who seem like they're coming in with a little bit of momentum. He literally went 72, 71, 70, 69 at the U.S. Open. Got better by a shot every day. Um, obviously breeding a little bit of confidence, as you referenced there. Third and second uh, in his last two kind of regular stops and. One, I think that's important. Like, I think that the regular stops and how he's doing well there is important to this sort of thing. Uh, two, like you say, he shot 60 here as an amateur in the second round. Is you know what more does he need to sort of show uh, to suggest that he likes the golf course? Uh, well, since then he's he's played. He missed the next two cuts, but that was I think when he was dealing with injuries and in and out of actually uh, the schedule. Last four starts: 15th, 15th, 11th, and 13th. So you may argue that the the winning hasn't been or you know the contention hasn't been there for the last sort of couple of times that he's been here but I think he's I think he's on it I think he's he's in good shape and I don't necessarily normally like Patrick Cantlay but I, I think I'm on the sort of same bandwagon and he he sort of turned it around the first two days he was 125th and 120th uh, with his irons and he went 38th and 17th the last two days and I know you sort of said that you wouldn't necessarily rely on just having hot irons but that's only a good sign right that he's kind of found that and he actually ranked first off the tee uh, on Sunday last week and was inside the top 30 all week in that department as well so uh, finished sixth for the week so I, I think all of, all of a sudden he's in really good shape um, compared to what I normally think Pete Dye too yeah Pete Dye guy uh, I think the Phoenix is is a pretty decent link we've seen some some guys come over to there he obviously plays well on that golf course arguably should have won there earlier this year I think Rory will be potentially negatively impacted um, from last week. Uh, I think if any one of the guys at the top is going to be, it may be him. If, if you're going to bet him again, I would say just bet him first round leader. He's like three times the price and he's actually opened up, I think, 64 and 63 in the last two times that he's played here in the first round um, and never been outside the top 20 on the first day. I think second and third uh, opening. So if, if you want to bet for Rory McIlroy, it would be the first round leader, as I basically put out every week. I like Sam Burns' trend in form here. Like he, he seems to be getting better every year. 43rd, 24th, 13th. And, and while, again, a bit like Patrick Cantley, he's never really contended for the victory here, um, other than Cantley doing it, obviously, as an amateur. There's just enough for me that kind of suggests that he can can do it. And he, he just continues to play well. Like He's, he's really hard to ignore. Um, 27th last week, again, bad final round. Uh, I'm trying to think. He, he must have been reasonably well like placed going into the final day uh was he top 10 i think he was seventh after 54 holes he was one under yeah so he, he was he was in seventh place going into sunday and, and could have had a really good chance and just shot a bad final round which i don't think is you know you get a little bit aggressive maybe and, and those things happen so i think sam burns and patrick Cantley would be the two for me at the top but any words on the others uh i i kind of agree with you i think these guys are probably gonna be running out of steam in terms of um, you know, all the emotional injury they've spent the last couple of weeks, especially Rory and JT with, you know, first having to kind of be the guy spokesman for the tour, like Rory had to do at the Canadian Open, but JT being there too. And then, you know, going to the U.S. Open where Rory, I think, had a lot of pressure on himself to win. JT was the defending, you know, champion of the last major played. So I don't expect them to come here and win the event. And if I don't think they're going to win the event, I don't think um, they're worth playing. And Scheffler too. Scheffler was deep into contention on Sunday, it's just I don't see him coming out here and winning the Travelers. I would give him a better chance over the other two, but only marginally. Shuffle is interesting. Like I keep looking to play Shuffle. I keep thinking that it it might be worth giving Xander an opportunity. And this is a golf course that you know has suited him, should continue to suit him. Um, But just at 10k, like you say, I don't think he's going to win. Uh, I think he's probably going to be inside the top 10 to top 15, and that's probably not enough for me to play him. So um, 9K is going to be really important here. Is it... I mean, you, you'll tell me. 
Um, but is is Seamus Power and Keegan Bradley the two main players in this region in terms of ownership? No, for whatever reason, Neiman is the is looking incredibly popular, and I don't really know exactly why. Um, it's not really the golf course I would think of when I'm thinking of of, of Neiman. Um, and he was very you know pretty dis- very disappointing on the weekend at the U.S. Open. I I'm not too interested in him, but um, it's it's fairly spread out between everybody. I think you can pretty much play anybody that anybody you want. Power is incredibly popular in the betting market, like you alluded to, but I think his price is high enough to where he's keeping some guys off him in, in DFS. So um, I think you could you could go to anyone here. It's it's pretty spread out. I mean, look, Neiman was fifth here on debut, right? But other than that, he's been 63rd and 36th, which is again like the 36th he shot. Uh, three rounds of 68 or better. So it's not like he had uh, a bad week by any means. He just shot a final round of 75 and kind of fell. But um, yeah, I just, I was really disappointed with Neiman last week. I really thought that, that was his chance to kind of kick on in the major championship. And, you know, these, these things don't necessarily mean that he can't bounce back and do well here. I think he, he's a fine play. Um, Bradley and Power would be the two for me. Like Bradley, I just think he's playing on another planet to, to what he's done over the last couple of years. He's got... Eighth and second place finishes here in the past. He's obviously pretty local to the area. Uh, and Seamus Power, for, for obvious reasons, is just a player that I think suits his golf course well. You know, as we've sort of joked with in the past, like Adam Long and Seamus Power are not the longest hitters, and, and both of them kind of suit this kind of test. So he was 19th here last year, where he was fourth out of 36 holes. And even when he was 66th, like two, three starts ago, he was uh, he shot an opening round 66. And he was 36 before that with 267. So really kicked on as a player these days. I really do expect him to, to play very well. He's He's been in great form uh, in the major championships especially. I take it Bruce Koepka's going to lose his tee time. He's still listed at the moment. but I don't know. I don't know. Um, he A lot of people are asking why he's playing this. He plays this, court, he plays this tournament every year. Yeah. Um, and he's actually been pretty good here. His fifth last year, he kind of backdoored it. Um, then the year, and I think he's contended a couple times here. So I, he does like this course. Um, I, I actually am expecting him to play. I don't know. Um, I don't think his suspension is in effect until he tees it up. And there's no, been no official announcement by Livia. They announced answer this morning, but they haven't announced anything. So I, I don't. I, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to go. Um, obviously, I wouldn't play him regardless. Yeah, I'm not interested in him anyway. But it's an interesting to see if he's actually going to play or not. Uh, any love for for Varna, Fleetwood? Female, more speed. Uh, I like Sanjay a lot. Um, I actually bet Sanjay. I got a 35 to one that I thought was good. I like the bounce back off of, you know, being very popular and missing the cut there at uh, um, at the U.S. Open. And you know, I thought this was an interesting stat. He's missed the cut in the in a major three times. Those three times he's missed the cut in the major. The following week, he's finished 13th, 9th, and 6th. So he bounces um, back well from a from a disappointing effort, which is something you'd like to see after. Uh, I always feel like. It's weird with majors. Like if you miss the cut and you can get out there and just kind of focus on the next week, it's almost better than finishing like fifty seventh or fortieth, and it, and it, and it's certainly better than you know getting as close as winning and, and really dropping behind. Although someone like Mito Pereira has kind of shown he can go right back to the well. I absolutely agree with that. I think missing the, I don't hold any, like if a guy misses the cut of the major, it does not mean show me what type of form he's in. It doesn't show me what he's going to do the following week. I just hold nothing against that whatsoever. Majors are a different, you know, different monster in in themselves. And I think you're going to get a little bit of a break, one, because he's expensive, and two, because so many people got burned by him last week. And I wasn't one of them. I actually um, didn't really love him last week, but a lot of people did. And I think this, like, a long, difficult U.S. Open doesn't really seem like a Sanjay course to me, but a a shorter par 70 where you're going to need to, you know, gain three or four or five strokes putting and put the ball in the fairway, two things that he definitely does. Um, I think this is a much better fit for him. And I actually, I I think he could bounce back and I think he'd win this thing. So I spoke on him last week and I sort of said that like, I, I bet him and it didn't work well. But like, my point was, is that everything is pointing towards the fact that he's hitting the ball really, really well off the tee. And that's a huge, you know, when he's doing that, that's a huge sign. But I sort of almost said as well that like, if that goes wrong, he's in a, he's in bad shape because like, it's just, he was playing way too well off the tee compared to, you know, what his baseline is. And, Lo and behold, he, he ranked 89th and 69th the first two days off the tee, and, and he misses a cut. I mean, I, I can't quite remember what he was with his irons, because by that point, I didn't really want to look. But, hey, worse, he was 136th on day one and 62nd on day two. So, um, yeah, he just ball striking didn't hold up, and maybe he was in a tougher wave, and, and that was it. I, I Again, I discount majors 
you know, a lot. It seems to be easier on like the European or DP World Tour to discount majors as well. Like we see a lot of South African guys that play well, like Becker and Duplessis and things like that. And if they don't play well in a major, you you don't put any panic stations out. But I think you have to have the same sort of logic no matter what level you're playing at. So um, I like that. Anything else on the line case? Yeah, I just wanted to ask you quickly about um, about power. Like, how do you approach it when it seems like a guy is getting so talked up, especially in the betting market, and every single person is in agreement that this is a great play? It usually turns out to not work out very well, and that's what I'm a little bit concerned about. And on paper, I love him. I agree with everything that you said, but it's just for me, and it's starting to get so steamed to the point where it's making me nervous. So my my. My agreement with that would be that if you look at his last two regular events, 80th at Memorial, 79th uh, at the Wells Fargo, so missing both cuts, like that would suggest he's actually just geared himself up for the majors, which is actually a really good thing. That like he's obviously taken himself to a new level, prepared himself. You know, they were either side of finishing 27th at the Masters, 9th at the PGA, and 12th at the US Open. Maybe he's just gone, look, this is my opportunity to get in his majors. I'm going to build my schedule around it. Um, he's got a little bit of time now. Before, well, he's going to have the Irish Open next week, I think, um, and then playing the Open Championship in three weeks. So that could be a bit of a negative impact. I'm going to just do it. I'm just going to stick to it because, you know, I love the bet and I just think that it would be silly for me not to play him, but I do see the concerns on him. I like it too. And a couple things that might be under the radar in terms of um, a correlation here is two Pete Dye courses he's played really well on. TPC Louisiana for the Zurich Classic, which he's played really well, you know, and in 20, I think 19, he dragged, uh, who, who did he drag there and to the, to a top five finish? Um, I forget, I forget who it was. It was kind of a, he got, had a lesser playing partner. And then Austin country club this year at the match play went all the way to the elite eight or elite eight, the final eight. And he, and he, um, lost to Scotty Scheffler three and two. So he played really well at that event as well. And Scheffler just killed everybody else. So I think those two courses are, are kind of sneaky, uh, corollary courses to those two. Yeah. This eight K range is going to be, I'm assuming just about ownership now is, is going to be the decisions you've got to make. Davis Riley, 8-9. Uh, Aaron Wise, 8-8. Eight, eight. Misa Pereira, 8-7. Brian Harmon, 8-6. Webb Simpson, 8-5. Leishman, 8-4. Denny McCarthy, 8-3. Keith McDrow, 8-2. Jason Day, 8-1. Kokrak, 8. Who's the guy that is the highest owned out of that lot? Mito, as usual. Everyone loves playing Mito. So that's fine, because he's not, he's not really on my radar for this, and not because I don't think he can play well here. I think everything points to him being successful here, but he hasn't played here. And normally, the, if you look at the form, the guys that win it are either guys that have played well in the US Open or the PGA the week before, or have got a bunch of course history. And he didn't play well at the US Open last week. So, Mr. Cut the US Open, um, hasn't played well here before. So, I don't really feel the need to jump in on him at high ownership. Um no, that's not to discount. I think he's got the perfect game for it, and I think he can succeed. Um, but I just there's nothing that makes me need to pull the trigger, especially high ownership. So um, Brian Harmon, Denny McCarthy, and Keith Mitchell kind of stand out to me. Yeah, I'm on two different guys in that, but I do I do get that. And the two guys I like kind of fit what you said. Either played well last week, or of course history, or both. Um, Harmon definitely has both. Yep. Uh, he's looking like the second highest owned guy, guy here. I, I do like him. I don't know exactly what his ceiling is. I see a lot of people betting him. I, I can't really picture him winning, but I know you don't need to at this, um, at that price. And who's the other guy you said? Mitchell. Mitchell. Uh, he's not for me, but why don't you give me, give me why you like him? So Mitchell, just for me, like when I looked at that kind of Phoenix Open uh, corollary, he he just stood out for that. You know, he played well there uh, early on in the year. He's just been. He's got back to that form. Like we were waiting for Keith Mitchell to fall off a cliff after a really strong spell, um, and he did. And he had that time, and, and you wondered whether he was going to bounce back from it. And all of a sudden, you've got 34 for the PGA, 18 for the Memorial, 7 for the Canadian Open. Um, if the Phoenix Open is any kind of link, he's got a top 10 there. You look at kind of where he's done well in the past. It's, it's some shorter golf courses in the Honda. He's obviously won um, Canadian Open, Hawaii, Balspar, Honda again. Like. To me, I you know, I don't want to put everything in the fact that he can play short golf course as well, but I just thought that kind of stood out. The the one negative is he's never played well here in the past. Um, I think he's actually got two miscuts out of three starts in the last two years, but he finished 56th on his debut when he was a, a lesser player, and I don't see any reason why. In I think this is a course that, like, if you've seen it, 
and you're in good form, I think you can kind of turn it around. Like I don't, I think maybe course experience is more important than course form as such. I agree with that too. And I think the Pete Dye thing is big because there's nothing on paper that makes this course seem hard. Yet the winner is always between minus 12 and 17. Like, so I think the way it's just a, a tricky little layout, the way the pins are located, it's just, it's hard to get close to these pins. So like I said, course experience, like, you know, like you said, works out, but I also think that these guys who are, who know the course as well. Um, and that's why the, one of the ones I've gone for here and, you know, it's, incredibly risky i get it is jason day and he's going to be low owned but he's one of the best pete die players and he's played this this event very very well pretty much every year even when he was in bad form last year i was here and he was actually he shot a very good opening round on thursday um i'm sure you can tell me what it was but i remember i went to the event on friday and i wanted to follow a group around and i was like i'm gonna bet a matchup and i was like i'm gonna bet against jason day because he was hot on thursday he stinks right now his back's all messed up and he played well again and he ended up i think he was the 36 hole leader um and uh and he looked like he was laboring around but he but he was like i think he was 10 under after two days so uh he just likes this course and i think at this stage in his career he's still playing the courses that he plays well um you know he still plays pebble well and i think this is just one of those courses for him yeah so last year 69 in round one is only 45th, but he shot that 62 on day two, which really propelled him okay. on the leaderboard, uh, which means that's why he lost that bet. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And, it, and he was even third going into the 54 holes. But like to your point, he's missed one cut here in seven starts. Um, 27th, 18th, missed cut, 12th, 8th, 46th, and 10th. It's, it's just so, that's, I think we've, it's a discussion we've had on Jason Day all year really isn't it right like since we've been doing this podcast can he perform well at the golf tournaments that he's played well at in the past well he played well at wells fargo despite it being a different golf course 31st at the memorial is obviously a golf course that he likes um 24th at pebble third at farmers i i guess it's what you want from an upside in this position i i can see him safely making the cut and finishing 28th 30th whatever um so i, I don't see him contending uh, at the moment, I think he's probably one of those likely candidates to make the move uh, to the tour that shall not be named. And I, I don't know if that kind of negatively impacts you or not. I don't know. I don't think Jason Day really cares. But um, I just don't think he's kind of in winning contention. And if he's not, I don't think he's going to do what Harmon does, who grinds out a top five, top seven, top eight or whatever. I think he'll just either contend and finish yeah. inside the top three or he'll finish... 30th, 40th, and and the latter is not good enough. So I do think, like you say, it's risky, uh, but I do think it can also pay off. So it just depends what you're looking for. Folks, sweaty sack summer is approaching, and it's now time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the king of crotch comfort, Manscaped, has spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Now, I've had the honour of testing out these new boxers, and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear I've ever owned. It's so breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademark the jewel pouch so you know it's serious. I think it's time for you to invest into your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code LFW20 at Manscaped. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped on the waistband of your underwear, it's almost a guarantee to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on a highway to Pleasure Town. The micro model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run or strut, these moisture-wicking boxes breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and lays flat against your skin to reduce the chafing. And the front fly opening gives easy access and makes bath and breaks quick and efficient. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LFW20 at manscaped.com. And that's 20% off and free shipping with LFW20 at manscaped.com. So once the boxes 2.0 touch your sack, you will never go back. Mark Leishman is another one that kind of fits that same bill, right? That like he's got a what, first, a third, a ninth here, three more top 21 finishes. And like, is he a guy who's hit a risk on there too? Very similar profile players, I think, that like you've just got a lot of experience, two Australians, um, both have got winning pedigree on the PJ Tour in abundance. Um, it, it just depends which guy you like out of those two, I think, in terms of who you think is going to be the riskiest play. So for me, that's that's a long way of saying that I'm going to go with Brian Harmon um, in this spot. And I think Denny McCarthy is interesting as well because he's in this form that, 
you don't normally see from a guy. He's been a guy that's just generally been, um, you know, just he's just been the guy that putts well, right? He's always been that guy, and you think, how long can that be sustained? But he's actually just playing really well right now. Fifth and seventh for the last two weeks. He fixed that category um, of playing well in the major championship the week before. Now comes to a golf course that's going to give him a little bit of a break. And it just depends how he reacts from, from contending last week. Yeah. Uh, and first, Leishman, he's the second guy I'm playing. I had Day and Leishman kind of start in this area. And I, Leishman is just, he loves this course. Uh, he was third last year. I, I was on Harris English last year. Uh, and I definitely got a little bit lucky with that win. But um, he was the guy who was kind of looking to backdoor um, that win. He was making a charge late. I think he's already 17. And um, he was in similar form last year uh, coming into the week two he was this this year. Uh, I think all the things he does well here um, are things that, that make sense. He's obviously won the tournament a long time ago, um, and I'm big on him. I bet him at 55, I think 55 or 60 to 1. So I do like him. Um, and then in terms of Danny McCarthy, yeah, I, I understand it. You know, the last couple of times, like, you know, we've seen guys who have played well in the U.S. Open come out and win. Harmon did it, finished in the top five at the U.S. Open, came and win this, and then so did Harris English. And that was the reason I liked Harris English, too. So I think McCarthy does fit that mold. Um, we'll get it to another guy a little bit later on in the 7K range, who I like a little bit better in that exact mold. Um, but I'm gonna, probably going to skip the McCarthy this week. I just He doesn't do it for me. And he was a little too deep into contention. If you look at Harmon and English, what they did, they finished very well, but they didn't really get a taste of it. McCarthy had a taste of it where he actually had a chance to contend. And he got a little, you know, he was in the bunker got uh, or in the rough, got upset there at the end. I think he might have been a bit too deep into contention. But um, but I, to I totally get that play. Yep. No, I get that completely. Um 7K now, and there is a guy that we're obliged to play because if you're going to play King Bradley, you might as well play Brendan Steele, right? Um, and I love, you know, aside from the fact that he that he fits that kind of King Bradley mold, he's just absolutely brilliant here. Like, I think he's played maybe 11 times. I'm going to just try and do very quick, not even maths, but I'm just trying to read it on a small font. I think it's 11 times he's missed three cuts, but every time he's made the cut, he's finished top 25 or better. And he's got two top six finishes and two top 14s as well, three top 14s as well. Like, he just seems like a really safe play. And you don't normally get that in this kind of range. Like, you get some guys with decent upside and, you know, they go in high ownership. But last two starts, or last three starts, 27th, 4th, 11th in strokes gain approach. Um, and Teed Green as well. I think he's just been um, pretty solid. He's a guy that you've, you've brought up a, a fair few times on here. Fourth and 10th for last two starts in Teed Green overall. Yeah, I, I like Steele. Um, he's going to be incredibly popular. Incredibly popular, and that worries me a bit. It's just one that I, like, I know it's going to happen. Like, I know that if I put in a, put in a card of, of Steele, Bradley, Power, or whatever, that I'm not, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be different here. But like, they're just the guys. Like, I made my betting card yesterday. I was just looking at it going like, there is no shocks here. Like, even beyond like Brian Harmon. Like, I literally put a like, Bradley, Harmon, Power, Steele, and it's like, meh, that's like really chalky. But I, I just I don't want to go against the grain. We saw it last week with like Fitzpatrick. Like I know it's mm -hmm. a different sort of circumstance, but if you think these guys are going to do it, then then why avoid them, right? Yeah, I mean there are times when it works out. I mean one the biggest one that comes to mind is that Sungjae when he won the Honda. I think every single person on Twitter had a Sungjae ticket, so it it can happen. And um, with Steele, he's a little expensive, which I thought might draw, drive his price down. I thought, but um, it it really didn't. I think he's a very very safe play. Um, do I think he's capable of winning? I don't know at this at this stage, but I think you know you don't need him to win. I think he's a safe play. You, you might have to do a little tricky things in your lineup, and I think there's plenty of other opportunities to do that. Um, you know, if you look at the AK range, I think if you play Day or Leishman, like I'm going to, uh, you can safely kind of do that. Um, another guy who's pretty popular, who I like a lot though, and who I bet to win at 100 to one is Brendan Todd, who has been striking it well for what we we're used to seeing he's great he's gained an approach in five of his last six starts and now his putter is starting to get hot again to where we saw him actually contending in events he was third at the schwab and 13th at the canadian he gained 5.3 and 5.7 putting in those starts um he was the 54 leader here when dj won in 2020 and that was a very good field too um he actually was leading up i think into the 10th 11th hole and i was on dj this week too when um he teach left like three chips in the in the rough there and he uh, kind of blew it for himself but i think he's a guy who's kind of trending um towards another win and he's another guy who i trust to actually win if he does get in the mix yeah no i agree with that um 
I'm not going to go there just because I tried Brendan Todd before and it, it didn't work out very well for me. I say that it was I can't remember it being a disaster. I think he probably made safely made the cut and and got through. But I think I I whereas you have sort of concerns about whether he can uh, still can win. I, I would probably trust them equal amounts. Um, so I think you've just depending on ownership and things like that, how you sort of approach that is you know kind of up to the user, right? But um, are you going to take a chance on Harris English? No. Hit the ball pretty well last week, though. Did he? I, I tracked him on Saturday and Sunday, and he shot like plus eight both days. <laughs> well, I say okay. I say pretty well. Like that's probably a stretch, but like considering he's been off for so long, like he was thirty fourth mm-hmm. in strokes going approach in the field, and I think he was. I mean, I don't know where he was in seeds green, and, and maybe that makes yeah fiftieth. But like, I thought both of those were, were pretty solid considering how long he's been out and. I just wanted to see that one start. Like it feels to me like he's been patient enough um, with the layoff. Like he didn't play between Sony and the Memorial. And I know he shot 77 at the Memorial both days, but 73, 69 the first two days. It was a bad weekend for Harris, and maybe that's like suggests that there's you know fitness issues. But I do think maybe a bit of a low ownership at a decent price, he could be someone that could sort of win you an event. Oh, he could. He's worth a shot. Um... I don't think he's there yet. Uh, and a lot of it was with the putter last week when he was making bogeys, he was missing cuts. But real quick, and I was there last year because I, was, I had an outright bet on him. I was following him around a little bit too. And um, he was kind of a jerk, to be honest with you. Oh, really? We were, yeah, we were, um, we were like trying to cheer him on. And there was nobody watching him, nobody. We were following him around by ourselves. I'm like, all right, Harris, let's get a birdie here and stuff. And he, he wouldn't look, wouldn't acknowledge, just kind of rolled his eyes at us. And, uh, yeah, just thought I'd share that. But, um you know, I forgive him after he, after he won that eight-hole playoff. Uh, <laughs> but the guy I was talking about earlier, who I think fit the mold of someone who played well last week who can turn it on, was Joel Damon, um, who he seemed just so confident in his interview. And he gained, I think he might have led the field in approach. He gained eight strokes on approach. Uh, I don't know if he led or not, but he hit the ball as good as anybody. He really just couldn't make putts, especially early in the week. And he seems very confident, and this seems like it's a course that could really suit him. Yeah, no, I... Is Damon not popular? Is he going to be like too chalky or no? No, I'm seeing nine percent. That's fine then, because he he's a guy that is just playing well. Like he's just he's elevated his game to a new level, and he's a little bit like he kind of makes me think of like a Kevin Kisner. Like he's oh, I can't win here, I can't do this, and and all of a sudden he turns into a, a really strong player, right? And I think he shot final round sixty five here two years ago uh, to finish twentieth, and. Other than that, it's been solid. Like, he had one missed cut to, to three made cuts, and there's never been anything that's too special. But, you know, top 10 last week, and like you say, probably that right amount of contention where he was, was he, it was 36 hole leader, right? He was co leading, but yep. um, never felt like he was going to win, and like, probably just close enough to say that he was playing well without actually worrying about throwing anything away. I, I'm thinking of him maybe for a first round leader, too. Yeah, he's, he's definitely on that shortlist for me. I need to uh, look at the tee times and, and sort of figure that out. K.H. Lee interests me. Like he opened, he was the first round leader here on his debut. Finished thirteenth, only finished seventy third last year. But he was fourth after thirty six holes and sixth after fifty four, and shot a final round eighty. Um, finished thirty seventh for the U.S. Open last week. Fifty uh, third at the Memorial. Again, neither of those are a standout, but he's just you know playing solidly enough and. Like if that Phoenix link is anything, we know he's played well there in the past. So there, there is enough for me to like KH Lee in this uh, format. He's always a good play because like no matter how well he's playing, he never gets incredibly, incredibly popular on, on DraftKings and TPC course. Right, that's the narrative. He, he plays the best at TPC courses, and this is a TPC course. Uh, yeah, totally like it. Totally get it. I probably won't get there. There's a couple other guys I like better. Uh, Cam Davis at 7,500, who's played Pete Dye tracks really well and played yeah. short courses really well. I like him. And I like Mackenzie Hughes at 7,400, who's been putting together some pretty good starts. Yeah, so Cam Davis, for me, was the next one I was going to mention, just because he's played that well at that Amex in the past. And, you know, that always kind of sticks out to me. And, and Mackenzie Hughes loves it here, by the way. I think he's had two first-round leads here. I think he shot a 60 and a 62 or 63, maybe, on his golf course uh, in the first round. So that's always a huge sign, right? And he's just, just solid, like 17th, 42nd, 53rd, 3rd, 76th. I just worried that he was going to get too popular, but maybe not. Aaron Rye is a guy that this should suit, and our fear is that every time it should suit, he doesn't. But he seems to live up to that last week at the Canadian Open, or two weeks ago. 
He did. I uh, I don't trust him really. I, I think there's so many just other plays in this range. Like, I love Damon. I love Cam Davis. I love Mackenzie Hughes. So I think I'm going to go there. I do see. It does seem like an Aaron Rye type of spot though. Um, are we fools to be ignoring Siwoo Kim here with the Pete Dye? Meh. Meh. Whatever. Like. 25th, 26th, 11th here. Like, it's pretty solid. Uh, but there's been two miscuts in that time as well. And it feels like he's playing towards a miscut. Uh, good, I hope he does. I yeah, I mean, 13th for the Memorial was obviously good. But, like, yeah, I think it's really hard now because, like, you've had two close majors, you know, three when you consider the Masters wasn't that long ago. And, like, that almost skews form. Like, we, we say we don't really care about the major championship form. And, when you look at it, like 13th for Moral, 37th for the Wells Fargo, but like the heritage, you would have expected him to play well, right? The the players, you'd have expected him to play well, and just hasn't. So it just feels like to me like he's just not in the form that he was last season. Yeah, I, I agree with that, um, and I think he's getting he's getting like nine ten percent, which his current form doesn't really validate. So I think it's fine with um, me. Yeah, you're just paying that Pete Dye tax that we don't need to pay. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Like, And if, if he gets to the end of the week and, and he wins, you, you feel like an idiot, right? Because it was right in front of you. But um, oh, I, I'm fine to feel like an idiot. I don't, I don't really care. This, at this stage, I've felt like that all week. So um, what about Sahith? Like, are people calling on him a little bit? Yeah, it- I think I definitely am. Um, I like him still long-term, but this isn't the place for me for him. It, it doesn't seem like a traveler's place. It's almost like a, a plotter's course, right? You get your typical guy um, who can kind of bomb it, but it doesn't feel like a Sahith course to me. I'm, I'm all set with him. I know you, you like the TPC Scottsdale, right? That, that, that was all it was. Like, that's the only, there's nothing else to it. There's nothing in the stats I particularly like, but like you look at some of his better finishes, like third at the Phoenix, and he's got a 33rd at the Amex, where he played well on the Pete Dye as well. So... Um, you know, one bad day. I think he shot second round 62, which I'm guessing was one on the Pete Dye courses. So just a couple of things there for me that kind of stood out. But it's one of those, like, gut plays, like, everyone seems to be calling on him a little bit, so maybe I'll just take a chance. Um, mm-hmm. What about... There's just so many guys in this range now. Like, you've got... Streelman plays well here in the past. I'm not going to be in on him. CT Pan, I mentioned too early in the week. I've kind of called on him, but... Um, I still think that makes a ton of sense. And you've got Neesmith, you've got Doug Gim, you've got Stracker, Grillo's playing a little bit better. Nick Hardy played well last week. Adam Long, we just referenced at the top of the show, kind of fits in that Seamus Power mould, but maybe isn't as suited. Like, what do we do here? I think this is going to be a really pivotal sort of area. How about Ricky? <laughs> How about Ricky? Um... <laughs> uh, Ricky? Ricky likes it here. And he's hasn't been playing that bad. He's twenty first at Wells, twenty third at the PGA Championship. Um, I mean, what what then, year would you have to be in to be playing Leishman Day and Ricky in the same lineup? Is that two thousand and fourteen? Yeah, but that's kind of the, my style. I, I I'm very slow to change. I like playing these <laughs> <Yeah>. guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to play Ricky though. But I, he's going to be unowned. I don't and I don't mind the course fit here. He has a lot of pl- guys you can go to here. Um, Knox won the event. So I think it's interesting, uh, right? They're like. On Ricky, before we kind of sort of skip over him, because you know, as much as I like to laugh about it, like, do you think there's anything in these guys trying to get one more win before they desert the tour? Yeah, or either that, or maybe he doesn't want to. He he's kind of forced to desert the tour. It's either that yeah. or do nothing. Yeah. It's either that or start bagging groceries. So yeah. I think uh, not that he needs the money, but I mean, I actually would rather play Ricky than all these other guys. I I think um, his ceiling's a little bit higher. I think he really likes the course. And I think he's actually trending towards better form. He's just having a tough time qualifying for events at this stage. I actually can't find Fowler on my course form thing. Is he? Is he? Was he a late entry? Um, was he late? I don't know. Am I? Am I making up that he that he's been good at this course? Let me check. I have a, another course history thing. I could have sworn that he's no, um, no, no, no. I found him. He's played four times. He's got two thirteenth place finishes and two miscuts. So he either makes okay. He either not bad. Know, plays well or you know misses a cut. He shot 65, 66, 64, so he likes a golf course. Um, Adam Long, I think, I think it's quite interesting. Like, he's played well here twice, 21st and 24th. When he was 21st, he was 13th after round one, 6th after round two, 10th after round three. And, you know, the, the time before, he was sort of gradually grown into the event and finished 24th in the end after a Saturday 65. So, 
I quite like that from, Brent, uh, from Adam Long, who's kind of showing some life this season and, and plays, you know, corollary events pretty well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. He, he was good at the Canadian. Um, Going to be popular. Uh, 12th at Heritage, I do think that's a pretty good comp as well. Um, and... Yeah, he's going to be pretty popular. He's looking like the most popular guy down here. Him and Lanto Griffin are both are, are looking at like seven, eight percent. Yeah, so that's all right. And I do think a lot of a lot of, you know, it might be a good strategy to kind of be balanced and finish your lineups down the seven K range because there's so many decent options. Whereas in the six Ks, it gets pretty dicey. <laughs> yeah, I'm just look. I'm just just scrolling into the six Ks now. Um, your guy Smotherman's right at the top again, isn't he? Um, yep. There's not a lot of names jumping out here as I'm scrolling through the 6K range. What has Wyndham Clark done at this golf course? Wendy Clark. Um, I think he's done a... Was it him, him or Tway who has a decent course history? I kind of Tway, get you guys Tway's think. played well here in the past. Um, yeah, I don't know about Clark. Feels like a course that he could play well at though, right? It, it does. I mean... Um, I I typically don't really play him because he's just so yeah, I think he's just so boring. Okay, bust. so he's this is this is to your point. He's played four times. He's missed a cut three times and finished fifteenth. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. he was tenth after fifty four holes. It, it just feels like he's slowly building a little bit of consistency in his game. Like he was thirty seventh at Memorial, seventh at the Canadian, thirty fifth at the Heritage. He looked pretty good at the Canadian for for a decent amount of time as well. It just it just feels like he's he's kind of finding something. He fits the kind of profile of what I like. So. Wyndham Clark, he's definitely boom or bust, but I think that's all you're getting down here, right? I mean, it's just, I don't think there's anything you're going to feel safe about down here. I liked uh, Chris Goddard up. I know he was incredibly popular at the Canadian and a lot of, pe- a lot of people down. I, he was just so cheap. But U.S. Open, he was great. I want to say he was, he ranked pretty highly in all his ball striking stats. He was he was really striking it well. So I put Chris Goddard up, up on the podcast as a 400 to 1 bet. <laughs> Uh, he ranked 8th in strokes gained tee to green uh, last week at the US Open and 15th in approach, which is just, you know, impressive. And he just looks like a guy that's taken to, you know, I think he was an amateur still when he finished top 10 at Puerto Rico, but taken to professional golf events well. And um, we, we've seen here in the past that, like, younger guys just play well. Like, as you said, like, Cantley shot six years as an amateur. I don't think there's any sort of stumbling block of the Travellers. I think they... Was it was it Will Gordon that played well here? Like coming off a you know a couple of yeah, like yeah. sponsors exemptions and stuff like that as well. So I think guys that just keep they're they're good at giving uh, high profile sort of college and, and amateur guys a chance. And Chris Cotter up seems to be the next in, in next in line for that. Yeah, and uh, so I'm I think I'm going to play him. Sixty four hundred seems really good, and I think it's a manageable course for him. Um, you know, the guy that I'm kind of forced to mention here is I, I talked I talked about last week didn't. Didn't work out well is Michael Thor Bjornsson, who um, I think is he's he's an amateur. He's making his debut kind of in a regular event this week. He got an exemption because he's from the area. But um, actually, I, I coach golf and high school golf in Massachusetts. So I know a couple of guys who played against him in the mass amateur, a couple of kids. And he's just a really, really, really good player. I think he's going to be going to be an absolute stud um, sophomore at Stanford, All-American. And I think this course would be more manageable than the U.S. Open. A lot of pressure. He had the opening tee shot at the. U.S. Open last week, so he had a lot of pressure on him last week. I think he's an amateur who could bounce back here. You know, we saw Cantley do it. Um, it's incredibly risky play. Cole Hammers, another guy who's kind of who got an exemption as an amateur. Um, and then the last one I, I looked at was Hayden Buckley at 6,500. I mean, he got a nice taste of, of uh, playing some good golf last week under the bright lights. Yeah, he's he's a guy that's been talked about for a long time, right? All season, really, has uh, been expected to do good things and. He went off the boil a little bit after a really fast start, but that's fine. It's just learning the ropes and building some consistency. So I like that. What about Adam Schenk? Uh, he's been he's been good. I, he's been pretty good, yeah. He's top. So he's 26th, 24th, last two starts. He had a 9th and a 14th and a 7th just before that. Uh, don't know what he's done at the golf course itself. Let's just have a look. Feels like somewhere that he's probably just missed a cut every week. But... Um, It was a good sign at the moment that I can't find him because I started at the bottom. So he's either played well here or just never played here. Uh... Nope, still can't find him. So folks will have to bear with me. My eyes are obviously not working today. I'll see if I can beat you to it here. Oh, you're definitely going to beat me to it because you can type things in and I'm I'm just old school and scrolling for a big page. <laughs> Do a little quick control find, Shank. Um... 
Yeah, he. Yeah, I don't think he's played here. Oh, no, no, he has played here, Matt. He has missed four cuts in a row uh, at this golf course. Um, but strangely, like the first time he played here, he shot 75 on the first day, but then bounced back for 68. Uh, second time, 69-72. Third time, 72-65. And then fourth time, 72-67. So, like, he can he can play the golf course well. Like, you can shoot 65, 67, 68. So, just wonder if he can just kind of sneak up there in the course form and put people off enough to... Uh, to not go there. I mean, you don't really care about ownership at this stage, but like, but that could be someone that could be a good player. I, I just worry about everyone else down here. I don't. It doesn't feel like a week where we need to, to go into the six case too much. I think if you've got Gosser up there and you've got uh, the guys that you mentioned, there's there's not really too much to uh, to go into. I don't think. No. Um, and I looked briefly at Snedeker. It just seems really cheap at 6200, and no one's going to be playing him. He's made a couple of cuts. Uh, I guess that's all you can say about well, him. Snedeker was who I put up at the Canadian Open, right? Put him up as an outright yeah. and made the cut again. Um, could be worth a play. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Um, I don't know if I can go back to Thor Bjornsson. I'm really thinking about that, though. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you chill on that one because I haven't really <laughs> given him any thought at all. Um, just trying to look here at guys that maybe just played the golf course well that are under the radar, but... Generally doesn't. Andrew Putnam finished 13th here last year, but I'm pretty sure he was in quite good form at that point. Um, Hank Lebioda's played well here in the past, but not sure we can trust him. Kramer Hickok obviously lost the the playoff last year. Well, Steven Yeager was 30th here on his debut. Yeah, that could be interesting. Is um, Hickok? I mean, is is he a guy? If he if he gets in contention again, we're all going to be kicking ourselves. He's so cheap, and no one's playing him. What is his current form like? I'm just having a look at his... So, so he's made three of the last four cuts, but just keeps finishing in around 60th place. So um, he has finished 60th here in the past, so I'm going to say he finishes 61st. Uh, just sounds like something that Kramer is going to do when uh, everyone sort of uh, wants him to do better. So, yeah, I think that's it for me. I think I, I'm pretty comfortable with where I'm at. Um, I don't think I want to dive too much into the 6Ks unless you've got other guys you want to talk about. No, no, I think I'm I think I'm good. I think we'd probably go with the upside play with like a Goddard up is the best decision. So ten K and above, Matt, who's your favourite play? Uh Cantley. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Sam Burns. Uh nine K. Nine K, I'm gonna go uh Sung JM. I'm gonna go with Keegan Bradley. I, I love his uh the potential for him to get a win that he deserves. Eight K. I will go with Mark Leishman. So I want to say Harmon just to be safe, but I'm going to go with Keith Mitchell because I think that might be a little bit different there. Uh, 7K range for us? Um, I am going to go with Brendan Todd. I'll just go with Brendan Steele. He's my guy there. Um, I do think it would be interesting to see, um, you know, KH Lee, I think, could, could outperform his price. Um, let's take another guy from the... The, the the lower sevens as well because that's a quite big range there. I'm going to go with Nick Hardy at seven one. Um, I'm going to go with I don't know if it's cheating, but I'm going to go Mackenzie Hughes at seventy four. That's fine. Um, and then in the six k range, I'm going to go with Gosser up at six four. Yeah, I'm going to join you on Gosser up. My second would be Buckley. Yeah, who would my second be? I'm just going to sit with Gosser up. I, I, I just. You know, there is a ton of upside. I think he can actually get him. Wyndham Clark would be my second one. I think I think he could. You know, he's very volatile, but is worth putting into a couple of lineups. But Matt, I think the Travelers is a, is a great tournament. It has a nice spot in the schedule. I think people seem to like. As long as it's a decent event, people seem to like them straight after the major. Um, it's local to. How far away is it from where the U.S. Open was to the Travelers? Probably two hours. So that's pretty local then, right, you know, in terms of yeah. travelling across the United States, which I think is always beneficial. Um, and I think that kind of plays into the hands of, you know, the likes of Harmon and Damon and, you know, the Mackenzie Hughes and the guys that played well uh, last week that can kind of um, follow that up. So, Matt, I think there's everything on the Travellers Championship. We've, um, we, we're kind of making uh, friends on Twitter this week um, with, with, with podcasts and, and columns. But, uh, you know, ultimately... Our weekly show is, is about the DraftKings show, and, and that is what we focus on. That That's never going to be uh, detracted from. And same with the, you know, your betting pieces, my betting pieces. So um, all I would say is don't let our other conversations uh, take away from the fact that this is what we focus on.
Yeah, absolutely. And guys, opinions and you know conversation make the world go round. Not everyone's going to agree with you. It doesn't mean that you dislike them personally or there's a lot of people I, I disagree with that I like personally and that I still talk to. And that that's part of life. That's part of, you know, um, civic discourse. And I think it's best to remember that going forward that, hey, we're all people. We all have opinions. And, you know, we're, we're probably better people than, you know, outside of this DFS stuff and golf stuff and all this crap. But we're all just people and we all kind of have our opinions and is what it is. Yeah. I mean, if 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 I felt like I was the type of person that we're being portrayed to be uh, at the moment on Twitter, then I, I just wouldn't have any friends. I wouldn't I wouldn't get on well with my family. And, you know, it, we've got to understand that, like, I mean, I've been accused of, like, being paid by Liv and being a PR for Peter Uline and, and all these one, that would be, you know, fantastic if I was getting paid money to those sort of things. But two, uh, not happening. Peter didn't ask to come on the podcast to, to share. You know, I asked him. I wanted to get his thoughts. Did I push him hard enough? You could probably argue. I got out in front of you. I said I wasn't going to push him to the point where the, the you know, the journalists have done because I want to keep relationships with these guys. And I felt like every question I asked, he was transparent, came through. Um, he gave you the answers that you wanted, maybe just not in the tone that you wanted it. Um so yeah, I, I think you just gotta, we've got to try and separate, like both. You know, it doesn't take anything away from the research that we do on this show, and it doesn't take anything away from our thoughts on the PJ Tour and the events. We love playing the PJ Tour. We love you know playing DraftKings and, and researching it. So um, just because we're happy for players to, to take money doesn't mean that we're necessarily uh, supportive of everything else. So bit of a bit of a ramble there at the end of the podcast, but I thought it was necessary to kind of get our points across. Totally agree, and. Um... You know, we love you guys and appreciate you for listening and reading everything that we do. And I think um, it's hopefully that continues. Yeah, ultimately, that, that is a really important point. Like the the support that we get for this show and the support we get for the betting show and Matt's columns. And it's all, you know, deeply appreciated. Like that isn't just going to change just because I've had a really long discourse about, you know, live this week. Like this is this is primary number one. This is what we focus on. This is what we care about. This is the product we want to, you know, boost to its maximum potential. So just keep listening, keep supporting if you enjoy the content, and uh, we'll continue uh, churning out the content. Well said. <laughs>